Hello, and thank you for listening to the MicroBinFi podcast. Here, we will be discussing topics in microbial bioinformatics. We hope that we can give you some insights, tips, and tricks along the way. There is so much information we all know from working in the field, but nobody writes it down. There is no manual, and it's assumed you'll pick it up. We hope to fill in a few of these gaps. My co-hosts are Dr. Nabil Ali Khan and Dr. Andrew Page. I am Dr. Lee Katz. Both Andrew and Nabil work in the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where they work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct member at the University of Georgia in the US. I'm your host, Andrew Page, and I'm joined today by three postdocs and a room full of PhD students. So we have... Heather Felgate. Dr. Yasset. Emma Waters. Okay, and so it's a great dream team of postdocs, and we can take any questions the PhD students may want. But my first question is, Emma, why on earth would you do a postdoc? It's underpaid, you work long hours, and... You know, you could be out in an industry earning twice or three times your salary, so why do you want to work here? Very true, on all counts, but I love it. I love research. I love the the sort of, you've got a problem, and then you've got all these range of tools to tackle that problem. And that can be anything I love, anything from the wet lab side to the computational side. If there's a problem, there is something to solve it. And the reason that it's so cool to solve it is because no one else has solved it yet. So it's getting them. So you enjoy the discovery and exploration and freedom to do that? Yeah, definitely. What about the money? The money, the money, oh, the money. So there is a lot of hardships with postdocs, definitely. Personally, I am from a disadvantaged background. So the money side for me, I came from a family where no one else had gone to university before. So the money side for me, I look at it, I'm like, wow, I earn more than my parents. But of course, there is a lot of expertise and there's a, you've got so many years behind you in reality that you should be paid for. So yes, money could be more. How long did you spend in university? Four, so undergrad was four years, then PhD five years, so yeah. Same as me, yeah. Yeah, so you're nearly talking 10 years of expertise and is that worth the pay salary? Maybe, maybe not. No. Heather, what about you? What about your journey here? I'm similar to Emma's and I just really like science. I've been a nerd from the beginning, bit of an outcast in all parts of my life. But I just enjoy working as a scientist. I would love to be paid more. <laughs> I would love to have a permanent job. But for now, I'm happy where I am and I think happiness is more than wage at the end of the day. I go home and I'm happy most of the time. I, I come into work and I'm happy. I've got freedom. I've got a, a job where, okay, if I turn up half an hour late, no one's gonna have a go at me. I can stay, I can manipulate my hours to benefit me. It works very well with having a family, as in I can, I, tomorrow I'm gonna be at home with my sick kid, but I can work from home like, and I can make up those times another time. I just find it very flexible. I love the atmosphere. I love using my brain and I've had a lot of other jobs in my life as well. And I just always keep coming back to science because I just, I just enjoy it. So you mentioned contracts and no permanent job. What's the deal with that? Surely you, you know, are a highly paid, highly educated scientist and you should have a permanent job. It would be lovely, but I'm grant based. So 
there is an end and it is stressful. I have the ability, I have a background where I've financially supported for a, if I don't have a job I can, will be okay for a couple of months. So it is quite stressful having to think, oh crap, in six months I'm not going to have a job, I've got to start looking. But that's also given me a lot of advantages over the years. I lived in Uganda for six months and taught at a school. I taught chemistry and biology to a girls' school where they weren't taught science. Well, that, that was like, I can't, couldn't get that if I had a job in industry. I wouldn't be able to be able to just bounce around the world, here, there and everywhere. I ran a Mexican restaurant in Melbourne for a year. So like, I'm a qualified chef pretty much as well. And I ran a coffee shop. So I've had all these experiences and none of them have been bad. Was this before or after your PhD? After my PhD. I moved, after my PhD I struggled with writing my thesis. I had a bit of a mental breakdown and so I found out I was really dyslexic. Um, I moved to Melbourne for a year and did a bit of teaching there but also worked as a restaurant. So it gives you the flexibility with life. Like, you, I could just move in straight into industry at the age of whatever I was when I finished my PhD, 24, 25 or something, and I could be in that same job now and I wouldn't have the life experiences I've had. So you recommend going and taking a few years out and, you know, getting a life experience a, before you yeah, then go yeah. into a postdoc. Yeah. There's a big world to look at and play with. You got Let's entrepreneurial resi uh, resilience, actually. <laughs> I'm impressed. So, wow. So, no, my, my journey is boring, if you say. <laughs> like, I did my PhD and then came here, and then for the last five years I'm here, but... Uh, but you moved country. Yes, mm -hmm. like, before PhD, yes, I yeah. moved country. I... I started my undergrad in biomedical sciences in I think 2002 and it was two and a half years and then I worked in hospital for one year then I thought okay I want to do postgrad and then a masters in biomedical sciences and then I did one year research there and I liked it I thought okay it's interesting I want to do a master in research now and then I did master in research there and then I worked as a teaching research fellow and then I came to do PhD in Birmingham. So that's how I sucked up in research and I started liking it. So it's a dangerous job if you are coming into research, you might start liking it. <laughs> so be careful. Does anyone have any questions for the panel? You know, you've got postdocs at different career stages and they may be able to provide insights for what's ahead of you for the next few years. How to keep saying. Advice. You don't start off sane. You wouldn't. You wouldn't <laughs> apply for a PhD if you were sane. How do you handle, say, people you've grown up with or went to school with who are now maybe took a slightly different path to you, and maybe are earning a lot more? Like, do you, does that ever make you regret staying in research? No. It is funny. So recently, well, I'm around early thirties. So yeah, there's a lot of people that I know at the same age that are now, they're getting to like managing directors stage and like, you start to hear the money they're on, you're like, oh, I could have done that. But then you look at them as well and you're like, you're so stressful. Like you and your life is so stressful. You are so stressed. You're aging as I look at you. <laughs> <laughs> and You're melting <laughs> like a candle. And like you think, is is what you've yeah you may be better off in the money sort of way but are you happy as a whole so you you hit that perfectly Heather by saying 
actually I've got the flexibility to do what I want. There may be an end date to my contract, but I know in this place I'm happy right now. If I, I, can, I don't have to do the nine to five or anything like that, I can arrange my day how I want it to be. So it's like... And I suppose it depends what you want out of life. Do you want a Lamborghini? <laughs> I don't yeah. know, you're definitely... You know, you're <laughs> <laughs> Andrew I quite like a Mustang, if anyone wants to buy me one. Like, what do you want out of life? You've got to ask your question. That's your, like, your main question. What's going to make you happy? Is a load of money going to make you happy? And if that is, then you follow that. And so you just follow the routes that make you happy. I think so, Heather, if you were in a corporate environment, do you think they'd let you have your blue hair? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I'm not even allowed to work at Primark, mate. You're really? not allowed to have non-natural hair colour at Primark. No. My God. I know. That's crazy. <laughs> no. I guess here the only rules are like, you know, you need shoes in the lab kind of thing. and. Uh, yeah. That's better, yeah. Yeah, I'm allowed to be who I am. Wear a lab coat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be who you are. You can explore your sort of what you enjoy as well, mostly with research. So there's other bits of it where you can find joy. So things like outreach, you've got all the opportunities to interact with the public in the way you want to interact with them, which is something I really like. So there's all these different events where you can inspire kids to come and uh, like to be a scientist or whatever they want to be. So they, they can go down the money route or the other route, but that's <laughs> like, you're at least inspiring, inspiring them to do science. Yeah, no, I, I think the thing I like about science is solving the puzzle or doing some experiment and when it works that gives that you, you. so much kick. so yeah <laughs> so that's the amazing thing that can happen so it makes you a day or weekend or week or month basically or it can make it miserable if it's not working <laughs> so uh, when we were trying to develop this method, Charles, and it wasn't working, that was not a good, that wasn't a good period at all. So uh, that was quite depressing. But like, I had a very good team member and we were working uh, together and uh, I think uh, it was the resilience and uh, the encouragement that was coming from my team member, Keith. And uh, that's how we survived through those six months of uh, optimizing this method that was quite brutal but yeah now we're happy it started working and then since then it hasn't broken so one of the good things about academia is being able to pivot to different things like during the pandemic you set up a collaboration with pakistan to do a SARS-CoV-2 sequencing yeah and it was just you know use your personal connections and you're given the space and freedom to go and to do that do you want to talk about that yeah that that's a very cool thing it depends on like which group you're working in like here as Andrew has mentioned, that I was just a postdoc, and but I was given the freedom to collaborate independently back home in Pakistan, where I collaborated with the university I was studying before coming here, and we did sequence about 600 SARS-CoV-2 samples, and that was almost half of the samples that were sequenced by the whole country at that point. That was a huge contribution, and that not only contributed towards science but also towards the community not only locally in Pakistan but internationally because it kind of modulated their travel policy and uh, how they're gonna shape it and they're gonna let the people go outside the country and like accept the visitors or not so that was a very huge international contribution that we had made by just sitting here and it depends it happened only because I was in this 
kind of academic setup if it would have been kind of any other industrial or uh, profit uh, driven one then it would have been possible but you're underselling yourself there that like the deal was that or the situation was that Pakistan was on a red list for the UK yeah. and you know the UK is one of the biggest sources of tourism for for Pakistan I presume with a lot of expats going back and so they wanted to get off the red list but they needed proof through genome sequencing that there wasn't an issue there and of course that there's a proof we could provide and in fact I think at that time it was that the fear was that the Delta variant was in Pakistan and would come in, but actually our sequencing showed that that was not the case. It was actually a totally different variant. It was the Alpha variant, which was imported from the UK. So it was actually the opposite <laughs> problem. You helped people, yes. I mean, we helped people good. as a team. Yeah, you make people helps. happy. You can make people meet up with their families again. Yeah, no, we, we all helped them together. Yeah. So it was a very good teamwork from QIP and So it was nice. I think that is a good distinction between academia and industry actually because academia is normally focused on helping people in one way or another where industry is probably more or less helping these industries get more money so it's actually giving you more joy to help the people with your research isn't it you do get and you get a lot more freedom like i just decided to start tracking hemolyticus the other couple of weeks ago and now i've got a new best friend who works in the Arctic University, and I'm like, oh, I could have a little trip over there one day. Got a new friend in Utrecht and stuff, and you can be free with who you want to chat to. You're not compounded by like, IP protection and stuff like that, where you can't just keep your project to yourself. I can just call up someone who I don't even know tomorrow and talk about what I do, and do they want to collaborate? Do they want? Do we want to be on a paper together? Let's do something fun. New friend. I want yeah. to visit the Arctic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, like, you are free to write grants if you feel like, like, you have capabilities and you want to expand. You can write grants and you can acquire more money. And if you want to move above in the ladder or something, yeah, there's a freedom to go on that route as well. It depends how enthusiastic you are in that kind of uh, path. But if you do like money, I'd recommend, to keep your options open, I'd recommend going down the bioinformatics data science route, not the lab route. You'll earn, you'll have more earning potential generally in industry, you know, just keeping aside. Like, whereas if you go down the lab route, you, you know, it's more narrow focused and you, you know, there's not as many opportunities. Okay, uh, we'll leave it there. So thank you very much, uh, Emma, Heather and Yasir for this lovely chat on careers. And thank you to our audience of uh, PhD students who have stayed extra late just for this talk. Thank you so much for listening to us at home. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the platform of your choice. Follow us on Twitter at microbinfi. And if you don't like this podcast, please don't do anything. This podcast was recorded by the Microbial Bioinformatics Group. The opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadrum Institute.